Pray with me. Holy Spirit, as you have been sent into our hearts, into our lives, to give us faith, to trust in Jesus, and to follow, now come through your word and work through my words that we might continually hear your good news, be changed by it, and go out and live for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We are just past the halfway point, week four of what we're doing for our fall series. I am a church member, a book by Tom Rayner that hopefully you've had a chance to get a, a hand on one and read some of the chapters. There are more copies out in the fellowship hall if you still want one. I have to keep this one today so I can show the second service, so I won't send it out to you. But we're into week four of I am a church member talking about what it means to be a part of, of God's church and a local church and many different things that that mean. Last week, week three, chapter three, we talked about I will not let my church be about me and my preferences and what I want. And I asked you to think about two questions that then help us. If, if we're not just going to do what we want, then what are we here to do as a church? And the two questions I said we must think about and ask whenever we do something or how we live or how we act, how we do things as a church, first one is what best serves the gospel? That's what we are here for. And secondly, then, what is best for the church as a whole? As Christ's church around the world and our church here, we call Zion, what best serves the gospel? What is best for the church? And asking those things then, how do we be members of God's church? Well, that leads us into today because one thing that is, I think, best for the church and advances the gospel is that its leaders, the leaders of the church, are healthy and godly. So today is, a, is entitled, I Will Pray for My Church Leaders. So if you're reading along chapter 4, that, that's what you'll find there. I will pray for my church leaders. Well, I will be forthright and honest is this is out of all six chapters we're doing this all six weeks on this this is was the one i did not look forward to the most the one i was trying to find somebody else to preach or do something but i'm already gonna be gone in a couple weeks for something so i I couldn't punt on this one so here we go but my severe discomfort about talking about this is in some ways that i actually don't like to be the center of attention my wife knows this, some of you that know me, uh, well, you know, well, okay, well, you preach every Sunday and stand in front of people. That, that doesn't mean it's something I revel in, is everybody staring at me and, and thinking about me. I, I, I would rather, you know, not talk about this or not, uh, but it is important. I do need your prayers. My family does. Zion's leadership, elders, and council absolutely need your prayers. Stephen and Scott absolutely need your prayers. And I know that those of, some of you that, those of you that do pray for me and my family regularly, thank you. It matters. So today we're talking about church leadership and praying, and uh, the Lord is with me as I, I'm uncomfortable talking about myself. But we're going to go back to 1 Timothy 2, one of our readings. One of the spots in the Bible where it just says, pray for your leaders. It says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people, but for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful, quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And then right away, Paul can't talk about God without talking about the goodness of God. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, 
who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And it continues. I don't have it up there for you. But there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. So Paul is talking to Timothy, and they live in the Roman Empire. And if you don't know, the Roman Empire doesn't exactly have leaders who are good to all people. Right? Pray for kings. Pray for, I think he's cryptically saying, pray for even Caesar. That seems you know, absurd, right? But if he can say that, we can pray for our leaders, right? Our civic leaders and our church leaders. And here's my kind of rule of thumb for praying for leaders. The more you don't like them, the more you should pray for them, right? I don't care if that's, you know, your pastor or your mayor or city council people or a governor, president, what, I don't care what it is, you should pray for your leaders, and the more you dislike them or the more you think they are acting in ungodly ways, the more you should pray for them. Does that make sense? Do you see why, why I would say, yeah. But for today, that, that applies to all leaders. Today, we're going to zero in on church leaders. I will pray for my church leaders. Leadership is a lot like swimming. When you were a baby, an infant in your mother's arms, did your parents teach you to swim by just taking you to a big pool to the deep end and just toss you in? Of course not. You're all here. Your first experience was w- uh, with water as a baby was probably a baby tub that sat in a sink or, in a t- or then you know, the full bathtub, and maybe in the summer when you grew a bit, you, you might have had a little kiddie pool with a foot of water or less, and as you got bigger, you could you know, swim in a slightly bigger pool, two or three foot shallow area, or just play along the shore of the beach, and you could even hold your breath and put your face in, but not for very long. But as you grew up, you could go into deeper water. Eventually, then, you had to actually learn how to swim so you can stay afloat, and alive in water deeper than you are tall. And as you became a better swimmer, you could take deep breaths, take a deep breath and swim under the water, and maybe you had fun in a pool going to the very bottom to pick up a toy or a diving ring. And eventually, you could swim to the bottom of a 10 or 12-foot pool, although your ears feel funny at the bottom. But if you want to go deeper than that, if you want to go explore a shipwreck at the bottom of Lake Michigan, or go to the Caribbean and explore an underground cave or fish or shark a hundred feet down, you start to need a lot more things, right? You need gear, you need scuba gear, you need a mask, you need oxygen tanks, you need professional training, and you need certification. As the water gets deeper, the more training and protection are needed, and the risk goes up. Leadership is like that especially leadership in the church. The more leadership that is entrusted to you, it's like swimming in deeper and deeper waters. And especially in spiritual leadership, the deeper the water, the greater the risk, and the greater the need for protection and training and gear and prayer. In spiritual terms, praying for your church leaders is like giving them some oxygen in deep waters. Leaders have more risk. Leaders are held to a higher standard. They should be. And especially in the church, the Bible does have very high standards, character standards for pastors. And we shouldn't lower those. We should pray for our leaders to uphold those. But yes, spiritual leadership is high risk. 
We heard a little bit already from 1 Peter 5, and I'm going to read some of that to you again and then show you some, but it says right to Peter's talking to pastors, leaders, church leaders. He says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's sufferings. Then he talks about being shepherds. It's often how pastors are referred to as church leaders in the scriptures. Be shepherds of God's flock under your care. Watch over them, not because you must, but because you are willing to. And don't do it for dishonest gain, but be eager to serve. Don't lord your authority over those entrusted to you, but be examples to God's flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory. He also says, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he will lift you up. Some of you know these verses. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, next part, verse 8. Keep in mind this is written first and foremost to church leaders. Many of you have heard some of these verses before, and yes, they do, I think, apply to all of us, but Peter first wrote them talking to pastors and church leaders. He said, be alert and have sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. Now, I realize... It's not exactly popular to talk about the devil. His existence is not popular or even believed by many in America, and maybe some of you struggle with that. If that's you, I'm still glad you're here. I am afraid, though, that just because you or I don't believe something to be true doesn't make it not true. If I didn't believe that zebras existed because I'd never seen one and they sounded funny looking, zebras still exist. However, though, if you struggle to believe in a a real personal enemy of God, just think for a moment about all the tragedies you've heard about in your life and all the unjust horrors, all the the shootings and murders and abuse and all those horrible things. And I think it's, it's hard to look at something like the Holocaust and only come up with purely human explanations. Or personally, if you've struggled with major temptations in your life, some form of addiction or something, at some point you realize that there's a greater power at work than just your willpower or your weakness. And what makes the most sense to me out of the world is that God has created us good and in his image. And yet the enemy of God wants to take all of that good away, and I'm tempted, and so are you, and we need prayer. Now imagine for a moment that you were the devil You are against God, you are against God's church, you're against God's people, and you're against all that is beautiful and good in the world. How would you go about working against the church? Personally, I think you'd go after leaders. If you can sidetrack God's people, they're not out there spreading the gospel, that's one thing that's good. But if you can sidetrack pastors and leaders, boy, that's good, right? So I think the devil does his hardest work, not necessarily out there in what you'd call the secular world, but here in the church. Where would the devil like to have the most bitter, nasty conflicts? Outside of the church or inside of the church? In here, right? When we act in the ways Jesus doesn't want us to, we actually make him and the gospel look bad, and boy, would the devil want that, right? Boy, does, does arguing and nasty conflict make the church look bad. 
And nobody wants to hear about our Jesus. And if the devil can get church leaders to be caught acting very contrary to God's word and God's will, boy, does that make the church bad. So, your leaders need you to pray for them. I do. I need you to pray for me. Your elders need you to pray for them. Your council, and by the way, that's why I printed them in the bulletin this morning, all the council and all the elders, so you can take them with you this week and pray for them. And Scott and Stephen, pray for them. Now, I will say, I think we have outstanding leaders here at Zion. We have great staff, great elders, great council. I couldn't ask for better leaders than what Zion has. And I love working with, with elders and council and staff and all of you, but we all need your prayers. Why? Because Jesus wants the Great Commission fulfilled. You are called and forgiven and filled and sent to be a disciple of Jesus and to make disciples of Jesus. And Jesus wants His church to believe and trust in His life and His death and His resurrection for us, and He wants us to believe it so much that we go show and tell that to others. And when churches lead well, and flourish. And when church leaders lead well and flourish, the best news of all, Jesus Christ crucified and risen for you, is magnified and proclaimed all over the world. So as we have been, I'm going to ask you to speak our pledge today. Speak it with me if you can read it. I am a church member. I will pray for my church leaders. I understand that their work is never-ending. They are trying to lead us in the gospel, but they cannot in their own power. I will pray for their strength and wisdom. I am a church member. May the peace of Christ that surpasses our understandings guard and keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.